0: issue for all women. Hello there and welcome to this Sunday's Sunday Chops. Chops on a Sunday. Sunday Chops. Yeah, it's probably time to start seeing people, isn't it? Anyway, this week we handed the reins over to the excellent Lucy Nickel. Society loves to stigmatise, but more often than not, the whole story isn't in the public domain. That's something that really interests Lucy. And in this episode, she talks to a woman who had her children taken into care. They chat about how things went wrong, the assumptions made of mothers, the assumptions made around mental health and what all of that meant for her and her, thankfully now back together again, family. It's a really fascinating listen and it genuinely made me think about how quick I can be to reach judgment on people when I don't actually know the whole story. Obviously, it's all a learning curve and the more we know and the more we educate ourselves and the more we listen, hopefully, the better we are. I'm going to hand you over to Lucy now.
1: When a mother has her child taken into care, it can spark all kinds of assumptions. In fact, the mother is often considered bad or uncaring because, well, surely being a mother is a natural gift. I think over the years, as a stepmom myself, I have to admit having made assumptions on the topic, something which makes me feel terrible when I look back. But perhaps as long as we take the time to learn and listen, to stand in someone else's shoes, it doesn't matter what we've thought before if we are willing to think again. That's why I wanted to talk to somebody about her experience of having her two children removed. We'll not be sharing her name as, well, the stigma is still rife. But perhaps in sharing these stories, we can chip away at that stigma and enable mothers who are struggling with domestic abuse, mental health problems or addiction to find support and rid themselves of the immense shame that society places on them. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. I think before we go into um, talking about the trauma that you've experienced, let's talk about life. As a mother today, you're a mum with two happy, healthy children at home. So tell us a little bit about what life's like for you and what being a mum means to you. Uh
2: yeah, so I am a mum in COVID lockdown, like so many other people. Um and so what it looks like for us is um, I've been exceptionally lucky with lockdown and that I live in with the two people I love most in all the world, which is a mm. massive bonus. So life is um life's working full-time and um pretending to do homeschooling and um, feeling miserably at it and just getting along like everybody else is I think and what's it mean to us well it means everything it's the center of the world as I think most moms would say
1: yeah absolutely and I think you're certainly not the only one who's been struggling with homeschooling I've heard so many
2: stories
1: on that matter Mm -hmm. so I mean Obviously, the, the point of this interview is to talk about some of the challenges that you've sadly faced. Life obviously wasn't always as happy as it is now. So if you could tell me about the events or issues that led to your children being taken into care.
2: Well, that, that's a, a tricky question to ask, because if I look at it critically, I can trace reasons for it back to being an adolescent. And in the early twenties, because really, what led to his losing the children was a quite dramatic mental health breakdown, and there was contributing factors throughout adolescence, early twenties, late twenties, um, and then some specific incidents within the year of the breakdown that just kind of tipped us over the edge of being able to cope. What was happening? What was happening in my life at the time that I actually lost the children was I'd had. A breakup, um and me i think within about a week or something I, I was very ill um we'll find out later what that illness was um and can create instability and in mental health and did in my case mm-hmm. um i was struggling that year with anxiety depression and addiction and it culminated in a in a breakdown and in the midst of it where i took the children out for dinner i drank no notably too much wine with dinner came home put the kids to bed and the next morning woke up and drank Mm. and that morning my mom walked in in absolute shock and disbelief at what she was saying and took the children away and that was the that was the start of the unfolding of just the worst events that have ever happened to our family which meant I think it was within two weeks I'd lost full custody of the children and they had been placed in the care of my sister and I was allowed five and a half hours a week supervised contact and that went on for eight months.
1: Gosh, that must be really hard. And that that sounds like it happened very quickly as well. So that was within two weeks, did you say? Yes, it was it was
2: really it was really quite rapid and um and unexpected. Uh, my family we hadn't had any dealings with social services. We didn't understand how the system and I'm, I'm using my fingers in the way people do, quotation marks there, we had we had no experience of the system, we didn't know how it worked, and our perception was that I'd clearly had a very substantial breakdown. Um and there was a moment where the social workers came out to see us because when, when the children went to, to with me mom, um I just went off the rails for three days and Mm -hmm. I'd never done anything like it before. And I was drunk for three days Mm -hmm. and completely on a different planet. There was, there was definitely a break in reality. Um, But then something managed to, to kind of get through and I managed to get home. And when I sat down with the social workers, the look that is, and I was physical mental emotional spiritual mess and they said are you well enough to have the children because my ex-husband had um effectively kidnapped them from my mom and he's got a history of domestic violence so when i was and that was kind of what snapped us out of it when i realized that had happened i thought oh the children aren't safe something Mm -hmm. has to kick in and that that mother instinct somewhere inside of us um pulled us out of what i was in when i sat opposite the social workers and they said do you do you think you're well enough to have them I said, absolutely not, but my mum will move in and she will. And um, they said, we're supporting dad's parental rights. And if you try to take them, then we'll take action. And I was floored because this was a man who'd been arrested for domestic violence, who had a history of um, incidents of hitting the children, being arrested for hitting the children. And I was just astonished. But there was something that was particularly. Uh, there was when the social workers were confronted with me in the condition that I was. There was an there was a real element of disgust, and it was it was palpable in the room. And and I, I can understand it in a way, and it's been explained because lots of agencies got involved, the police were involved, um, and it's been explained. And I, I don't want to sound resentful. I think the position I was in was the, one of the most unsympathetic positions I could have been in. And I was having a breakdown because of a breakup, which mm-hmm. it instantly would, uh, I had the, it's just a breakup. You've got more to cope with than that. Mm-hmm. But as it happened, I didn't have the mental capacity to cope with that. That was where I was at. Mm-hmm. And um, and the other thing was that I was in, I was very concerned about my finances. And when I mentioned this, when, when there were, Sitting opposite us and they were asking the questions and they were saying, But why? You know, why have you let yourself? Because that was the why have you let yourself was the main mm. question, as if I had a choice. Why have you let yourself do this? You, you see, you have money issues, but you've just named the restaurant you've been to, which is the most expensive in the area the night before, and we're sitting where we're sitting. And I was living in the most affluent area of town. And um, in a very nice house, with a very nice car on the drive, so I was clearly going to elicit all the sympathy in the world. But the truth was, it was all smoke and mirrors. Um, the money that I had was related to the relationship that I was in, which was coming to an end. so I did have financial concerns. And although my financial concerns may not have been the same as somebody else's, they, they were mine, and they were as valid as they were at the time. And, and the point was I wasn't coping and needed help. I needed support. The children needed their mother to be supported so that they were going to have the best outcome. And that wasn't what happened. That wasn't what happened at all. And it's interesting as well
1: that you're, when I asked about the events happening and and obviously you look back to um, childhood and adolescence and I think that you can see that I know I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and when I look back I can see signs of it when I was very young but it was very very difficult to articulate and Mm -hmm. one thing that really strikes me about your story is around mental health stigma even more so stigma when there is a drink problem within it as well there is so much stigma around that If you were experiencing a physical health problem,
2: purely a physical health problem, do you think that people would have reacted very differently? Absolutely, no way would it would it have been treated the same way.
0: Yeah,
2: just no. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know how many which ways I can say no, but absolutely, definitely not. This definitely was. It it would in my case, and I didn't. I didn't realize this at the time. So what was really awful about the situation was I wasn't a mental health professional um, my mum wasn't my sister wasn't and so we had no idea what was wrong with me Mm. Um, but we could all see that I was in really bad shape and that there wasn't a lot of choice and agency in the way that I was behaving Mm. um and it took considerable help and interventions from different places to start piecing us back together But if I'd have been able to just hand over for a sick note and say, I was incapable of having them last night because of my cancer, Mm. Um, and I will be able to, if my mum moves in, she will plug the gaps, then I really struggled to see a local authority that would act against a mother in that condition.
1: Absolutely.
2: And I also think that it was there was definitely an element of this was because i was a mother because mm. mothers should know best you know perhaps perhaps not being as diligent can be afforded by dads but not by mums we're not allowed to drop the ball and on top of that
1: feeling and responsibility and and perception and judgement let's be honest judgement um you know having Your children removed has to be so devastating for any mother. But when you're also dealing with a mental health problem, that as you've just said, you're finding it hard to understand yourself what is wrong with you, your friends Mm -hmm. and family are finding it hard to understand. How do you think the anxiety and the mental health problem, the symptoms you're experiencing around
2: that, how do you think they were affected? Bye. oh well ironically they became much much worse so um the the being separated from the children even though they were in the care of my sister so the the worst time was when they were with the father um and i knew they weren't safe um he did assault the children and they were removed from his care within the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. once they were removed from his care and put into the care of my sister Um, I didn't have to worry about their safety. But I only saw them five and a half hours a week. And everything that made up my existence, like, yes, what it's like to be a mother. It's like the central pillar of my life that everything else revolves around. And that was gone. And I had no weight holding us down. There's a a thing in, um, it seems like such a frivolous, um, such a frivolous thing to compare it to. But in Harry Potter... The uh, JK Rowland explains Horcruxes at the end um, that you can split your soul into different objects and your soul becomes separate from you. And that is how it felt when I lost the children. So, you talk about symptoms of mental health. I didn't stop drinking when I lost the children, it w- I was incapable. I didn't drink very often. I drank um, once every two to three weeks, once a month. But then, when I was drinking, I had no control over it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. um the anxiety and depression I was absolutely maxed out on medication I was doing uh, I did CBT therapy um I joined two 12-step fellowships um and went to meetings and support groups every single day um I did person-centered therapy I worked with um, a charity locally into therapy with us I think over the course of the eight month I did something like eight different therapies including a full psychological analysis um, I had all of me um, the, 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 there's a panel that's convened when you lose your children and there's mm-hmm. somebody independent on that panel who decides how much the parent can then see the children and and this independent advocate read my case from day one and said, okay, well, obviously, the plan is for the children to go back to mum. We don't have any history of neglect or abuse. This mm. is a one off incident. Mum's getting help. So let's just start. We don't need supervised contact. We can have unsupervised contact. And social services said, absolutely not. Under no circumstances can you have unsupervised contact. And then, so the next time that we went, and so there was, I had to do a hair strand test, um, and I had to have every, all my medical records gone through. Um, you name it, I had to jump through that hoop. And social services blocked at every stage. And the independent advocate and the police said that they'd never witnessed anything quite like it and they weren't sure what was going on with it. But they were absolutely terrified by my behaviour that night, sufficiently, that they blocked any meaningful contact with the children. So I went from five and a half hours supervised contact a week, and that was supervised by my mum and my sister, under the threat of, if you stay there 30 minutes longer, this was a quote, if you stay there 30 minutes longer and we'll find out, they'll be removed from your sister's care and put into local authority, care. Mm. So the stress and anxiety in our, our family was through mm. the roof. And this mm. was as I was trying to put myself back together. Mm. So it was just, the, it was it was like walking hell in a hurricane.
1: Mm.
2: And it's very true, I think,
1: with mental health problems that recovery is about so much more than therapy or medication or you know that it's about purpose it's about independence it's about support it's about life circumstances
2: and it's about security all my security was gone because my anchor wasn't there anymore it's about connection the most meaningful Mm -hmm. connection in my life was gone and all of those things can be associated with the children and actually What's very interesting is, or, or not, it, it's not, it's not surprising in the slightest, but uh, the last drink I had um, was five days before finding out if I got the children back because it was so hard to cope with that. It was so mm. hard to cope with not having them. Um, and uh, haven't, I haven't had a drink in two years. Brilliant. Brilliant. And When I got them back, I would say my mental health, if I was to score it on one to ten, when I got the children back, my mental health was probably a four the week probably. before getting them back. Um, and when I got them back, I was a nine. Instantly, I was a nine.
1: It's interesting from the point of view of expectations and what social services were expecting of you um because certainly with regards to mental health i mean you know this is the same actually with physical health problems if you have hurt your leg broken bones etc you have them fixed you might have pain relief etc etc but you don't fully recover until you've done all of that um physio until you've done your own exercise until you've built your confidence back up so it's interesting to think about what social services expectations of your recovery were because it was never going to be at a hundred percent before getting the children back and even that transition I'm sure in terms of the children coming home must have been very difficult obviously you love to see them but you must have felt nervous
2: about yeah there's a couple of interesting things about what you've just said so the first thing was about what were the expectations of social services and and support and social services didn't actually offer any um they didn't have a roadmap so to speak that they wanted us to follow Mm. they didn't offer any suggestions so every Every step that I took, I was five steps ahead of everybody else. From the second I lost the children, the only thing, thank God for an addictive personality, but the only thing that consumed us was I've got to get these babies back. Mm. And so um, it was a 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so I put myself on every parenting course that you can think of. Social services asked us to do not a single thing. The only thing that they did provide was they did a parenting course with us which they, um, for whatever reason, didn't have time to write the notes up for or evaluate. They did a risk assessment of us and the paperwork went missing and was never produced. So, and I, so I, I, don't, I don't know. And also when we went to court over and over again, the information that was produced to court uh, was incorrect. And in the worst events, there were lies in it um just complete falsehoods so and looking at that critically i don't understand how that goes to support the family because on the assumption that the children are best placed with the mother or the parent and that that's the goal for the family for the family to be fit and well and and be with each other then that that's not that's not the agenda we were all working off it did feel very much that I was working against them um, yeah. every single step of the way, which was quite distressing. They didn't set out any specific expectations of what they wanted to come out of it, and so because I was just compulsively producing results for them, so I was doing a hair strand test, I did a full psychological examination, and and you know we love label mental health, and we love being able to say um, bipolar or um, manic depression. You know we love. Or uh, OCD. Once we we'll have a label on things, we feel comfortable. When I was doing all of these psychological evaluations, <laughs> what was coming out of it was, and I, I was almost desperate. I was almost desperate to get a label of, mm. "and you are schizophrenic." And I would say, because oh, I was just desperate for that moment of being like, oh, "and that's what it is." I'm no bigger treatment, and I can cope with it. Mm. And um And the result that came out of it was actually you're just a woman who's been under incredible stress for quite a while and has maladaptive coping strategies was the term used,
0: which Mm -hmm. was
2: um, because of problems in adolescence, early 20s, being in a marriage with domestic violence. Um, I'd used coping strategies which had worked for a while and then didn't. And I became the victim of the coping strategies that I was employing.
1: So really your experience of social services were very much that they were there for the children, but they were not there for you or the family as a whole. Is Would that be right?
2: Well, I, I can't even say that they were there for the children. Um, I, it felt like, My impressions of social services throughout the whole thing was initially they were disgusted with us on presentation and and verbalised that in a number of different ways. And for what reason, I can only draw my own conclusions. I think I can't say they were there for the children because if they were, they would have supported me Mm. being the best place for the children to be. I think initially we had discussed, and it was quickly followed by, we have no idea what this woman is or what she's capable of because she's not fitting in a box that we recognize let's take the most severe action possible which is something that I've heard routinely since the baby pea incident
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And that what that did was create an atmosphere where you know the most extreme measures were taken just in case Mm-hmm. They didn't want to take any risks. And it didn't feel like they wanted to take any risks for the children because, like I say, there'd never been experience of neglect or abuse. And that was said in the courts. Yeah. And that was said explicitly in court by the judge, and it's on the final paperwork, that at no point were the children ever the subject of abuse or neglect by me, mm-hmm. that I'd had a mental health breakdown that night and subsequent days thereafter. And That all of this happened as a result of that. That there was nothing before it, and there was nothing after it. So, just
1: go go back to how how long were you separated from your children?
2: I think it was I want to say eight and a half months. Right. Which is which is obviously quite a
1: stretch when young children are are growing um, and things change so quickly obviously and thankfully your children were able to return home so how how, what led to that and I mean obviously I'm sure it made you feel fabulous but let's talk in a bit more detail about all of those mixed feelings that no doubt came up when
2: there was definite um I'd worked and worked and worked and worked to get the children back and then when I knew that that moment was coming, there was definite fear around it that um that I would fail them, or that I would lose them again or that I wouldn't be able to cope. I had mm-hmm. all of those fears um and spoke with my mum about it, and um yeah I think that would have been that would have been the only person I spoke to about it, but i definitely I definitely did have those fears and anxieties, obviously you're saying you only spoke to your mum
1: about it there is there's a a, and this is the whole purpose of this interview because there is a lot of stigma around women who have had their children put into care what what was your experience of of that stigma uh, kind of
2: as you were separated and and to this day really do you experience stigma yes absolutely I mean when it happened um nobody knew so um I managed to, and this would have undoubtedly contributed to the, the condition of my me mental health, mm-hmm. but I managed, not even the neighbours knew that I didn't have the children. I just carried on and pretended and just held up this farce. Nobody at work knew. None of my friends knew. I just didn't speak about it. And I did that thing where, you know, sometimes you don't see your friends because they're really busy.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and I just became that really busy friend who couldn't see anybody For eight months. Um, but absolutely nobody knew about it. And I mentioned earlier that I'm in twelve step fellowships, which Mm -hmm. have changed my life. And um I still I still attend twelve step fellowship meetings and work a twelve step programme every day. Um I didn't tell anybody in there either. I just did not dare tell anybody because um it's such a shameful thing to have failed as a woman and a mother to have lost your children. Um, I just couldn't bear it, so the people I knew were some health professionals that I was involved with, so anybody who was who was doing counseling with us um doctor and um, my mom, obviously yeah. and my sister yeah. even even extended family i couldn't face, and the moments that I would sit in front of them and they would show us kindness were almost too much to bear mm-hmm. because the fear of the fear of social judgment and exclusion was just so palpable. And one of the most amazing moments I had was um, I have a, a sister who I'm not particularly close to. And she came uh, to a cafe around the corner from where I lived one day. And she, she sat with us and said, um, I think I cried. And she she told us the worst thing she'd ever done with her son, which is something me and you have both done, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was that moment of um, she was shown as i don 't judge it this is an awful situation for you to be in, but we 're all mums, and none of us are perfect and that moment was whew, huge i mean since then um when I got the children back, I was able to acknowledge it within um the within the recovery community. I am honest that i 've lost the children. And to some degree, professionally now, um, I'm fairly open about it. And I think that's easy to be. It's easier to be open about it when, um, to the world, I look like a very respectable man. You know, to the world, I live in a nice house and the children are dressed well and we all smile and get along and we don't look like we've got any problems. And so it's easy to say this has happened. You know, it's it's easier to talk and say in the past tense, well, I used to be suicidal. It's a lot more difficult when you're suicidal to shout out and say, I'm suicidal, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's there's pride and ego that get in the way of that. So I'm not very open about it. Um, My friends still don't know. I've never told my friends, which I do find a bizarre thing in my life that none of them know this. There's a couple of parents at the school who i think do know because um because of where they work and how they're involved with the school
1: Mm.
2: and um they don't let their children uh in my care or associate with my children unsupervised as in they could they could play with my children if it's in a group and there's other people there but you can see there's a definite you know hesitation of them The children, thankfully, don't click onto this and they haven't recognised it, uh, which is great. Mm. But it it is that stigma is not only affecting you, it's
1: affecting their lives as well.
2: My son has autism and ADHD, which means he struggles at school. Mm. He has struggled at school. And lockdown has been phenomenal for our family because we've been able to see that his issues absolutely come from school because he's he's happy content and and just bimbles along when it's when it's me him and his sister he mm-hmm. has no, no issues so I'm working with the school and you know we've identified okay school is the issue it's the social anxiety it's the structure and it just jars with his his issues and how do we get around that but previous to that there's always the assumption well, it must be mom because we've got this. And so he's always assigned a counsellor and um, he's always closely monitored and he's got a thicker file than anybody at the school. And everybody that he's introduced to is told, be mindful. And, you know, it's a it's a I mean, apart from anything else, it's a massive distraction because, yes, this incident did happen. It's a massive distraction because the assumption of the school is always being, oh well, you know, let's put some support in place because something must be going amiss at home, all must not be right. Well, actually lockdown's proven he's really happy at home and content and loves his life. He just struggles with the infrastructure of school.
1: And it's that kind of almost like an unconscious bias, isn't it? Or, or a conscious yes. bias if that 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 it's everything that is happening, any of the issues that come up that you and your family experience is related to the past as opposed to current situation, life, personality, problems, illness, etc. That must be really difficult to deal with. I mean, you, you've you just had to push yourself through this because it sounds like you've had to come to a lot of your own conclusions and then seek those evidence from the professionals that you've been working with and and it really does feel that so much of that is down to assumptions and stigma but in the general so if we go beyond the professional community in general life you said you've you've experienced some issues with other parents what what would you say to people who are judgmental about mothers who have had their children taken into care?
2: I would say and I might have been one of them That's the thing. I think before this happened to me, I would have been one of those mothers who had assumptions. Mm. And I think I would have I would have imagined that I had a choice and that I was choosing bad behaviour over caring for my own children. And so I deserved what I got. And I think I would have believed that um before it happened to us. And all I can say to somebody else is that my experience shows me that I love my children every bit as much as any other mother loves their children. And that I was always doing the best I could with what I had. And I think we all are. I really believe that we all are. And this can happen to anybody. It really could. I mean, if it could happen to me, I really believe it could happen to anybody and we just need to show each other more compassion.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's... um, because like you say, you can have self-stigma, which many people with mm-hmm. mental health problems mm-hmm. experience as, as they're going into recovery and then show stigma um, towards other people. And it is around lack of understanding. And I think that, you know, there, there might be some people out there who do have a, a good understanding um, who decide to... Judge people anyway, and quite frankly, I think they're just not nice people. But I do believe that for the majority of people who show stigma, it is genuinely just a lack of experience and understanding. And I think what this conversation shows is that that's okay. Don't be hard on yourself, but please be open to learning. If you if you feel that you've got a really strong view about um, mother who has had her. Child taken into care about addiction, about other mental health problems, then challenge yourself, read up about it, speak to people mm. instead of just judging. And I think that's so important.
2: Yeah, I was just about to say the biggest inhibitor to getting well is living with that shame. Moving on to today. Today will look like me doing work, trying to be with the children as much as possible. We'll have dinner together tonight. And we're doing a, uh, we're doing a, a nightly movie, so oh, we'll lovely. all under the blanket. Sounds like you've got a
1: lovely day ahead. And I want to say thank you so, so, so much, because I know that it's probably very difficult for you to talk about. You're obviously in a good place, um, but I do think having these conversations will help other people who are going through this or who may have... Preconceptions about these experiences. So, thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much, Lucy. It's amazing to have somebody show this topic attention.
0: Standard issue for all women.